This is the Annex, a sociology podcast. I'm Joseph Cohen from Queens College in the City University of New York. For more, visit theannexpodcast.com. Tell us what's new. What's on your mind, Leslie? There's so much. From the tweet, which tweet did I find the craziest? I thought I blocked you. The, I don't know. <laughs> Come on. Not your crazy tweet. Oh, okay. Although I'm not on Twitter, so I don't even know how I know about the crazy tweets. Yeah. But the ones about radical Islam that a president would be retweeting or the one... Leslie, is that the one that drew international condemnation? Yes. Like, uh... Yes, yeah. And then, he, and then our president basically then tweets back, mind your own business, May. Right? I mean, who does that? The, and and wait, you're leaving out that it was to the wrong May. Yes, I forgot. It was just somebody with the name. <laughs> I forgot about that. You know, and, you know, and living in D.C., and I was like, man... If I was, you know, quote unquote, rocket man, uh, I would be targeting Washington, D.C. I'd want to get rid of, uh, uh, you know, the guy who was calling me rocket man. Um, and I'm like, maybe I should move. I don't I, I don't even know. I, I don't know. Well, actually, now you're scaring me because I live a few blocks from Sony studio. <laughs> and uh, so I'll go up and smoke before you do. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. Pick pick one. Anyone pick one. Anyone. What you guys think? Did you? I found it very meaningful that the British Parliament was talking about the president's unfitness. I don't want to get too political, but it's just nuts to hear like international condemnation. No, seriously. You know, I, I I've been thinking about this. You know, since uh, I don't I, I don't know what was the date. What's the date of inauguration? It was oh, like it was the orb. It was, the, the the inauguration was fairly normal. It was the orb where everything went uh we we lost the timeline yeah i've been thinking about this since at least the day after inauguration um where i've been thinking to myself you know what people have been talking about the decline of of u.s hegemony for like 30 years now and i was like you know what i actually think that donald trump will actually help us achieve that with the quickness (laughs) in the next two years simply because america's uh, standing our reputation will take such mm-hmm. a nosedive. And I think a lot of what this country has been writing on um, for such a long time has been its reputation above all else. Without that, we are nothing. So I feel, on the one hand, I feel like Trump is uniquely um, bizarre <laughs> and, um, you know, not a traditional you know, he doesn't have prior military or civilian government experience, for instance, but also he's just unhinged. And so I do feel like he is unique among modern presidents in that respect. But I also feel like, you know, you got to kick against the presentist bias where there's always an urge to see this is the most crucial time in history. Nobody walks around with a sign talking about how the world will end in 349 years, <laughs> right? It's always the world's going to end tomorrow. And um, I feel like there there may be a, a tendency to kind of – like if we were having this conversation 10 years ago – you know, people would be talking about like how Bush is going to be the end of American hegemony and, you know, this mm-hmm. uniquely horrible person and everything like that. And yeah, but Gabe, Gabriel, Gabriel, my point is that I never at any point 
in time actually really felt that or thought that yeah. until right now. And so I've been in the present for- So you kept your powder dry. Yeah, no, totally. No, so I'm like, I'm, I'm actually really concerned. No, I mean, I am too. Listen, I, I'm not a fan of the man. Elizabeth, what do you, uh, do you want to, you, you got anything to say on Trump? Or are you going to take a hard pass on that whole topic? You know, I guess, I guess the, the one thing that maybe I would add is that, uh, is that I think it's interesting to be kind of in the middle of the U.S. media environment, and I haven't spent any significant amount of the time out of the country since Trump has been elected, that you just sort of, mm. you know, you just sort of get used to this new normal where every 12 hours there's some new giant event, and it just, you know, your sense of reality starts to feel a little bit, it's a little bit warped. And I'm just wondering, you know, if I went and spent a six months or a year outside of the country, if it would just sort of, you know, constant kind of epistemic challenge, <laughs> you know, would go away, that you stop feeling like, is this really the world that we're living in right now? So uh, reminded of this by Beth's comment, but uh, Babylon B, which is sort of an onion type site, um, had a headline uh, a couple days ago that said, man coming out of year long coma, excited to catch up on humanity's progress. Wow. to take in all the time. Can you, can you imagine waking up, like, going under five years ago, waking up and someone says, Donald Trump's president, but he might not be for long because he's dealing with the Russians. You're like, what the hell is going on? You know, you start to wonder how much stuff we're not paying attention to at all, like how much stuff is just, you know, major, major decisions that are getting made. I mean, not even sort of these sorts of uh, Donald Trump things, but just regular old policy things that nobody are just flying totally under the radar because everybody's attention is constantly consumed with, like, whatever the latest uh, Trump tweet is well at no well not even like the tax plan right but like just like crazy shit is happening overseas okay. that we just like oh yeah whatever there was a coup in Saudi Arabia you know <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. check the president's Twitter feed and see if yeah exactly yeah my ability to pay attention to anything that's going on outside of the U.S. is just like shrunk down to almost nothing yeah. like you know I subscribe to the <laughs> yeah. Economist to try to like force myself to like read something that's not just about American politics but it's really hard it's just sort of all consuming. <laughs> I remember going home to CBC News World, and it really feels like uh, you're just asleep. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, like uh, and uh, now here's the, uh, you know, the cattle festival in Calgary. What a wonderful thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's national news. You know, I've walked out of it actually with a lot more respect for the U.S. system, because had Donald Trump gotten this much power in the Canadian system. I'm, I'm quite sure he could have been a dictator. You know what I mean? But uh, luckily, it seems like a lot has ground down to a halt, or at least it looked like until we had this massive tax bill, which is an insane tax bill. Can I float a theory by you? Do you think they all think that they're on their way out and everybody's just looking for, uh, looking for their post-office uh, work? with the funders type of thing you think that's going on it sure i don't it sure sounds like because it i mean this is clearly not about what is the best what's best for the american people i mean i don't know i i i want to reserve a little bit of judgment because supposedly they are trying to write in this this bailout mechanism uh where if there isn't the amount of growth that we actually need um, to see happen um, as a result of these tax cuts, then they're just going to roll them back, right? Um, I, I'd really like to, I'd really like to see how how you get that going. I think actually less about that, and it's more about I, I 
from what I think, they're like, oh, people are going to see their ta- their tax returns. They're they're going to get returns. So many people are going to get returns this year that they're going to vote for Republicans in the midterms. Like not thinking about whether or not they're going to have a job two years from now. Right. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm also kind of skeptical that that Republicans really think that they are necessarily on their way out. I mean, I think, you know, I think this is one of the things that happens sometimes if you're sort of, you know, relatively liberal and you're kind of in this like liberal media bubble that it's just hard to sort of adjust your head into the worldview where, you know, the whole the whole idea is that government is too big and it makes sense to cut taxes. And, and you know, if they're skewed towards the top, that's only because the people at the top are paying most of the taxes right now. And I mean, I think, you know, it's, 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 it, I don't think you have to extend things to the point where you say that, you know, people are doing this just because they're desperate and they think they're on their way out to make sense. Well, of do you want to hear what, sense from what they actually are saying? Because I, uh, you know, so, so what are they? So I read National Review and all that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. I don't follow the, the crazy stuff, right? So I'm, I, I, I have no idea what's going on in Breitbart, <laughs> or, um, you know, well, or, or even on Fox News or talk radio or whatever. But um, from what I see them saying, it, it's the idea is that um, they need a win and that the Republican Party yeah. has achieved uh, the legislative and executive branch, uh, at least nominally, in the case of the executive branch. And they kept telling for years and years and years and years, they kept telling their base, well, we can't get you this because we don't have the Senate. Okay, well, we can't get you this because we don't have the presidency. Okay, well, now they have the Senate, the House and the presidency, and they still can't deliver repeal of PPACA, or, you know, they still can't give other major legislative priorities. And, um, you know, you can see how this kind of promise of here's this thing you don't like, if you put us in power, we'll repeal it. And then they're not able to repeal it. The most obvious example being Roe v. Wade, right, which social conservatives Mm -hmm. have been trying to repeal for 40 years now. Um, They but the, it never happens. And so their base loses trust in them and says, well, you guys can't do anything and be effective, uh, which leads the base to go a little bit crazy. And well, not a little bit crazy, a lot crazy and say, let's just elect some guy who will blow it up, you know, or, yeah. or, or just let's stay home. And concretely, right. You do hear um, people say that if they don't get the tax bill through, um, it'll cause a donor revolt, both amongst the large super PAC type donors and amongst the uh, small donors. That basically they need a win, or they will lose their core. Not not just in the sense of primary voters, but in the sense of like the really hardcore people and especially donors. Um, which is not exactly the same thing as oh, these are our plutocrat- plutocratic masters. It's much more. Of a- I'm having trouble. <laughs> well, because it includes it because it includes you know, small dollar donors. Do you really uh, think? Well, I, I think it's plausible to say that you have a bunch of people who are giving, you know, two hundred dollars, five hundred dollars here and there, who want a win, even if those might not be people who would actually tangibly benefit uh, from it. Uh, some of them might. Some of them might not. I, I don't know. I, I'm living in the in an area where there's plenty of small dollar Republican donors and they're pretty unhappy about uh, and uh, this is a republican district well yeah because they'll lose the taxes. state and local tax deduction which you know uh, is primarily aimed at uh, like a lot of things in the bill it's primarily aimed at um, kind of blue state henry's 
Um, but, you know, in the suburbs of blue states, you do have uh, a lot of Republicans, or at least you used to have a lot of Republicans, but now you have some Republicans in the suburbs of blue states, and they would get hit uh, by the state and local yeah. taxes. I mean, and, and Gabriel, you're also talking about this from like a national perspective. Oh, yeah, I, and I just claimed that at the beginning. That's also yeah. kind of, right? I mean, but that's also, but that's like the relatively, right? That's the sort of like thoughtful, let's talk about tax yeah. policy perspective. And um, my husband listens to conservative talk radio for reasons yeah. I don't entirely understand. He just like does it to like make himself Is crazy. It, so that I am, I imagine like the, the albino monk in um, <laughs> that Dan Brown novel <laughs> whipping himself. Well, right, but so, no, so they're not talking about um, tax policy at all. They're not talking about the tax bill. They're talking about this, um, this illegal immigrant in San Francisco who killed this woman. And I mean, I don't even know the whole story because it's like, very marginal to the media yeah. world that I live in, but that's just what, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a immigration story all the time. And even, you know, right as we're in the thick of this huge tax debate, that's just not what's. Well, the reason why they're talking about that is because they're talking about whether or not we're going to follow, we're going to go over the fiscal cliff. Right. Um, so, and Democrats are basically, and actually have quite a few Republicans as well are saying, well, if we don't discuss DACA, right, if DACA isn't going to be included, um, then sorry, we're just not, we're going to let the government shut down. And so that's one of the reasons why conservative talk radio is bringing that up, because they're like, yeah, those crazy Democrats, they hate this country. And, you know, and no, you know, let's go over that cliff. I mean, I, that's what that's my read on that because every once in a while, I will confess, I do I do listen to conservative talk radio for reasons I also don't I don't understand. But <laughs> you guys realize that you can get a stereo for your car that will connect to your phone via Bluetooth for like fifty bucks <laughs> plus thirty dollars installation. There's no need to to listen to the radio if there's things that you don't actually enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. What I'm saying is I feel compelled to turn the dial. You've been listening to The Annex, a sociology podcast. For more information, visit theannexpodcast.com. Music is by Lena Orsa. Our production team included Anika Chowdhury and Lisette Moreno. On behalf of The Annex team, I'm Joe Cohen. Thanks for listening.